10 years ago, that wasn't the case. 10 years ago, people still grabbed magazines from newsstands for fitness guidance. Now, the hot chick on TikTok hiking her shorts up to accentuate her crotch, or the hot guy on YouTube with his pants down around his ankles flexing his quads, they're going to show you the way. Is bodybuilding about selfies, steroids, magazines, and muscles? How do I become a successful pro bodybuilder or fitness competitor? Where do I even start if I'm new? And the biggest question of all, what are the judges looking for anyway? Even today with the internet, many people first discover bodybuilding by word of mouth. A lack of regulation has caused a boom of unqualified coaches, scattered info, biased advice, dangerous protocols, and posing trends that are a hot mess. After 20 years in the business, I have seen it all. Week after week, I'm going to talk about taboo topics that get swept under the rug, provide you tips and strategies to gain a competitive edge and stand out on stage in any division or federation. I'm going to answer all the burning industry questions without the bias. I have competed across six federations, earned pro status in three, and judged in two. I've coached posing and choreography for men and women in all federations and divisions. I know just how much competing means to you. I'm your host, Michelle Welcome, and you are listening to the Everything Else in Bodybuilding podcast. Be sure to download your free guide, Five Things Every Bodybuilder and Fitness Competitor Needs to Know Before Your Next Show at eeinbb.com. That's www.eeinbb.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm going to talk about the changes in the bodybuilding industry that I've noticed over the past 10 years with the increased presence of fitness and bodybuilding all over social media. I'm going to cover many different areas that I've seen change from attitude, influence, trends, and I'll even touch on the evolution of haters and trolls for fun too. For the past year and a half to maybe two years, I've become more active on social media as I come out of my creative cave after spending years making various products for the bodybuilding industry. The last time I was heavily present on social media was maybe about 10 years ago while I was preparing for shows. Man, it sure has been an eye-opener to see the evolution. Now, while preparing for shows, I documented the whole journey on my Facebook page and posted my check-in photos every week with my no-glam, my pasty white skin, and wild hair to showcase the process in a real and raw way. I had a tremendous amount of support and even had a line of tank tops made with mottos and anthems I used as motivation leading up to my shows. One was called Eat Lean, Train Clean, and the other one was called Kill It With Drive. On show day, my supporters from countries all over the world would wear my tank tops and tag me in them on social media to show their support. It was such an incredibly supportive environment. Now, the changes to social media from the last time I was heavily active has been an eye-opener to say the least. My observations and experience with today's social media is what sparked my thoughts for today's episode. For one, the look of a bodybuilder has changed quite a bit over the years. The new standards of size and the level of conditioning or leanness is mind-blowing. I'll use four-time figure Olympia champion Nicole Wilkins as my first example. Google Nicole in the 2009 Olympia when she first won and look at her side-by-side from her pictures in the 2014 Olympia when she won for her fourth and final time. The amount of separation in her muscles, the caps on her delts, the detail in her legs, and the increase in overall size is dramatic. 
Now compare Nicole in 2014 to the top figure Olympians of today, such as Sydney Gillen, who hasn't been beat since she first won in 2017, and you will see that the level of detail that Sydney displays on stage is even more dramatic than Nicole in 2014. Let's now look at the men's classic physique division. Look at the first winner of this category, Danny Hester in 2016. Now look at Chris Bumstead, the current champion, and compare the level of detail Chris brings to the stage. Now let's talk about the weight limits of this class. This class requires the athletes to remain below a certain weight to try and keep the integrity of the style and build of the physiques that this division is meant to embody, which is from what is called the golden years of bodybuilding, approximately 1965 to 1985. For example, in 2016, the weight limit for men who were over six foot and up to six one was up to and including 225 pounds. This class has increased its weight limit size from 225 pounds to what is now 230 pounds. So this means the allowable size, the amount of size, weight, that these guys are allowed to have in order to still qualify to compete has increased by five pounds. So it's not just the detail that has increased over the years, so has the size limits. More examples, bikini and women's physique. Let's look at Sonia Gonzalez, the first bikini Olympia champion in 2010. Besides the obvious changes in the posing of this division, look at the amount of muscle she has and the level of leanness in her physique. Now, look at today's bikini competitors and check out how much leaner and more muscular they are. The bikini girls today look more like the early days of figure. The IFBB has done a good job keeping the size of bikini down in comparison to the figure division of today. I can't say I agree that they've kept the size of the competitors in the women's physique division down, though. The physique division from the Dana Lynn Bailey days is barely recognizable today. I remember when I first heard of the physique division and I saw Dana Lynn Bailey win, I thought I could do this division. My background is as a bodybuilder and I always love the posing of bodybuilding. But today, if you look at the reigning Olympia champion Sarah Viejos and the striation she has across her glutes, there is no way I would want to compete in this division personally anymore because of the risks it would have to my health to get that lean. I love the look of muscle, but I don't want to get that lean don't want striations. It goes without saying that the men's open bodybuilding division has evolved into 300 pounds of solid muscle. There's not much to say about that except wow. And my last example is men's physique and women's wellness. Men's physique competitor Mark Anthony Wingson, he won the first Olympia in this category in 2013 and go check him out. He had a very fit and athletic physique, but not overly lean. Now look at Brandon Hendrickson from 2021 significantly bigger and significantly leaner. And what's crazy is women's wellness. This category just had its first Olympia in 2021 when Francel from Brazil won. Over the past year, the division has kept growing, really the number of competitors, I mean, ironically, both growing in that capacity and size. And I'm telling you, in one year, it's crazy to see how much of an increase in size there has been with the women who are winning shows in just one year. Look at Dr. Sunny Andrews when she first won her wellness pro card and qualified for the Olympia, which, by the way, was at a show labeled natural because it was drug tested. Now compare her physique then to how much she looks more muscular, more vascular, and how hard her physique is today. And the time in between that when she qualified for the Olympia to now, that really wasn't all that long. Are you noticing a trend here? 
Not only has the size and conditioning of athletes exponentially increased since 2015-2016, the increases over the past couple of years alone is becoming even greater. In my opinion, the ability to win in professional divisions of the IFBB like women's physique and men's classic physique without the use of PEDs to obtain this level of size, conditioning, and hardness displayed by the athletes is very small. Now, open men and women's bodybuilding, one in a billion. I'll even go as far as to say the figure, wellness, and men's physique divisions are very small too, the chances that is, since the look of these divisions has only gotten harder and bigger too. I already know that there's competitors in the bikini division using PEDs, but I believe the look of this division is still something that is obtainable with diligence. Didn't say it was easy, but I definitely think it's obtainable with diligence, time, and patience. Of course, if you're competing in drug-tested competitions like the OCB, the WNBF, and Fitness Universe, the look of these federations hasn't really changed dramatically, in my opinion, and every division is meant to be achievable without PEDs. The WBFF Federation, they don't drug test, but their scoring isn't as much on the physique as it is on your marketability. So in itself, this has kept the Federation from evolving into a super extreme look. What has become extreme, by the way, are the costumes in this Federation, though. The amount of glam and glitz that people put into their suits, their costumes, and their bikinis is over the top. I've heard of people spending over $6,000 on a costume, on a costume you're wearing once for one day, $6,000. So really, it's the NPC and the IFBB where I've seen massive changes in physique, size, conditioning, and overall hardness. I'm also seeing an exponential rise in the number of competitors in this federation too, with the addition of more divisions. As an athlete myself, first, I can see how people would be discouraged hearing all of this. I do plan to compete again someday, but I'm not really discouraged since there are still divisions I can do well in as someone who isn't into doing PEDs. It's just not my thing. This sport is me against me anyways. And besides, as someone who doesn't do PEDs, how cool would it be to hold my own on stage with others that are using PEDs? To hold my own and look and feel like a champion would be the greatest win for me. And the only way to do that is with time. So muscle requires time to build. The leanness is another issue since having paper-thin skin as a woman isn't healthy, and I'm only going to go as lean as my body will let me without causing harm anyways. But this idea of health isn't really pushed in the industry. This is another trend I'm seeing. I sent a newsletter out to my subscribers last week, talking about the different competition prep protocols, and someone hit me back and said that she has been told by multiple people in the industry that she will not be competitive if she doesn't use PEDs in her protocol. So people in the industry, people that are influential, are pushing the narrative of PED use and encouraging it and holding it over people and telling them that they're not going to be competitive if they don't do it. No one's really talking about the side effects and the safer use. I didn't say safe use. I said safer, except maybe Jamie Pinder, who she was on my show in episode seven. It's a really great episode if you haven't heard it. It's also on my YouTube channel as a video too, if you'd rather watch the video. And another trend that is probably the most frustrating is the trend of the youth and their desire to be fitness influencers for attention and money on social media and YouTube, especially young men. These young men are using PEDs in their teens. I said teens, you guys. Young men who at that time in their life have the highest amount of testosterone raging through their veins are taking PEDs to grow their physiques faster 
so they can look like people like Chris Bumstead. Not to win a show, they want to look different. They want to look better. They want to look like Chris Bumstead. And what's crazy about the youth is you can be young and hot and make a ridiculous amount of money as a fitness influencer. Ten years ago, that wasn't the case. Ten years ago, people still grabbed magazines from newsstands for fitness guidance. Now, the hot chick on TikTok hiking her shorts up to accentuate her crotch or the hot guy on YouTube with his pants down around his ankles flexing his quads, they're going to show you the way. Not the people with the master's degrees and PhDs, though. Oh, no, you're not hot enough to know enough. Speaking of PEDs, the PED use is so rampant. I'm noticing an even more interesting trend in our industry. The lack of knowledge of what a natural physique even looks like anymore. Nowadays, if someone posts a picture or a video showing any muscle at all, the trolls come swarming, flying around and waving their keyboards like swords and accusing people of PED use. This discussion is also a common narrative on YouTube with some YouTube bloggers regularly calling out people in episodes titled Natty or Not. Some of these episodes are actually quite fun to listen to, I do have to say. And I've been in the industry long enough that I can see common traits in people and and I can often tell that they're using PEDs. And look, I'm not an expert by any means, but there are sure signs. Facial changes in both men and women, voice changes in women, bulging red face in men, huge increases in muscle size over a short period of time, to name a few. But not everyone with muscle is on PEDs. Muscle growth is totally achievable. Even the industry experts on PEDs suggest you build a base of muscle first, tap out your genetic potential before you even consider PEDs. This issue of no one knows what a natural physique looks like is so bonkers to me. You know, Dr. Lane Norton, he's a very vocal person on social media. I appreciate his blunt honesty and willingness to call out the BS in people. He had a moment last year where he did this regarding his wife, Holly Baxter, and the hate she was getting as she was preparing for the fitness model category in the WBFF World Championships last year. Lane got so ticked, he posted a close-up picture of Holly's face and said something like, look at her face. And he goes on to say something like, It would not look like this if she was on PEDs. Many people don't really know what is achievable without PEDs. So many people just assume people with muscle are on PEDs since the use of them is so common. I've been told something crazy like maybe 90 to 95% of people that are using PEDs are actually not even competitors. The biggest market of users are not competitors. They just want to look buff. This is a huge trend that is very concerning. And it's not just the kids. There are idiot parents that ask what they should give their kids to help them perform better so they can get a scholarship. Isn't that crazy, you guys? Everything seems to have evolved into being highly superficial. Less regard for health, science, and more regard for one's appearance. Solid education often gets buried in this nonsense. Over the past year, I've been talking to you guys about my signature program, Posing When Shows, which was It was originally designed for veteran competitors that wanted to level up their game and go from meh to awesome. But a couple of unexpected things happened. First, most of the people that joined my program, they weren't seasoned competitors. It was the opposite. Most of the people that joined were new people who out the gate wanted to never be mediocre. I mean, my kind of people, I share the same mindset. So when people joined, I had them post their posing videos in our private group for feedback. And if they were new to competing, I had them watch some online tutorials as their starting place. But here's the thing. 
when they posted their posing videos, they looked nothing like the posing tutorials, like nothing. So I had to pivot my program to add additional instruction because I wasn't going to let these people who trusted me with my signature program be less than awesome. And then the second eye-opening thing happened. I also host weekly group classes for these people in my signature program, and among other things, I educate on various topics in these classes. Over months of teaching, I noticed another trend, another unexpected trend. So one day, I decided to quiz everyone to see if my suspicions were right. I went person to person from new competitor to seasoned competitor to male competitor to female competitor, and I asked everyone, what do you think you're being judged on? After going from person to person, I realized they really didn't know. The information they have obtained up until this point is all surface level. Just like I said before, things have evolved into being surface level. I'm a very process-driven person. I went to a four-year college. I finished in three years with an accounting degree, and I was working for, at the time, it was a big five accounting firm, doing corporate taxes for large companies at the age of 20. A few years later, I tested a different type of accounting firm that was more about portfolios than taxes. When I got there, I was sort of given instructions on what exactly my job was. I was sort of given instruction, I should say. The job had daily tasks, monthly tasks, quarterly tasks, and annual tasks. Over a couple of months, I had it all down and was good to go, but I wondered why I had to learn these processes over months of time. Why couldn't someone have just given me a daily, weekly, monthly, and annual list of instructions? Then one day, a new person was hired, and I noticed she was lost on the job just like I was on day one without a mentor. I couldn't understand why procedures were never in place, so I made them, and I gave them to her. And she was up to speed in weeks, and management ended up using my procedures for future hires. My brain is constantly problem-solving, and how it solves problems is by breaking things down into minute details and then putting things back together, new and improved, in sequence and in stages. So when I had this epiphany moment, realizing just how surface level people are receiving information on how to pose and how disorganized the information as a whole is, I decided to do something about it. I realized people don't understand the fundamentals of posing. They don't understand what they're being judged on so they can be more competitive. And worse, they lack confidence on stage due to lack of preparedness. I realize that it's not that people want surface-level education. I realize that surface-level education is all that there is out there. Like at that accounting firm, it's not that no one wanted a process that helped new hires get up to speed in weeks and not months. It was that there just wasn't a process created to provide this fast track to success. So just like I did as an accountant, I'm doing it now for bodybuilders. After over two decades in the sport of bodybuilding and 10 years of teaching and judging shows, I know how easily all of these things can be avoided with the proper education. And that's exactly what I've created with my live Learn to Pose virtual clinics for every category in bodybuilding. Go to posingpractice.com to find out more on how to pose effectively from the start. At these clinics, I'm teaching the specifics on what you're being judged on in your category for all federations and divisions. I'm teaching how to build a proper posing foundation where you're going to follow along as I break down the proper execution of every pose in your category into specific steps. And you're going to practice all the new posing skills you just learned and let me guide you through them like you will be required to do on stage, which as a head judge of bodybuilding shows, I'll give you a taste of what your experience will be like on stage. 
Again, go to posingpractice.com for more info on how to learn to pose effectively from the start. And let's bring awareness to foundational education and not just surface-level education. And I'll continue to do this on my podcast for all other topics as I bring in more experts on the show to shed light on topics that are often full of misinformation. It's really eye-opening to see just how much our industry of fitness and bodybuilding has changed. During COVID, everyone was an at-home workout expert. Bands were the new booty builder. And people became even more connected with their phones as the only way to socialize outside of the home. As if social media wasn't big enough, it's even bigger now. I don't see these trends I've talked about in this episode getting any less extreme in the near future. I started just posting on YouTube for the first time in many years, and I have to laugh at the amount of negative comments I get. Everyone is an expert there, in case you didn't know. It's definitely not the super supportive environment I remember from 10 years ago. I hope, if anything, this episode gets some people to think a little deeper about decisions and where they're getting their information and their influence from. It's not easy to weed through the nonsense, and appearances can be very deceiving. All right, guys, I've got some really cool topics coming up and an extra special interview in a few weeks that I think you're going to love. As always, if you like this podcast and want to see it continue, tell the podcast people it's cool by leaving a review and share it in fitness groups on social media for others to hear about and tune into. And there's going to be a lot more to come. Ever wonder if you are posing correctly for your division? Learn to Pose is dedicated to taking out the guesswork on how to pose for all categories in bodybuilding. Learn five ways you can improve your posing skills in five minutes guaranteed at www.learntopose.com. There are free posing tutorials available for the bikini, figure, and men's physique categories. More on the way for other divisions in bodybuilding. It's free, so go access your free posing tutorial for bikini, figure, or men's physique at learntopose.com. 